Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I am your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. As always, my co-host, Lamont Jordan, former New York Jet running back, is here with me. We are here to review a win for the first time on the Believe in Jets podcast. Very excited to be here and say that. I got my Zach number two on. Jets are wearing all black this weekend. I'm excited for it. Lamont, how did you feel after this win? Um, I was happy that they, that they got the win. You know, yeah. we, we kind of broke down things before uh, last week before the game. And I'm um, just happy to see those guys got got the win. Definitely. Definitely. It was a, it was a tough game. It was an ugly win, but you got to learn to win ugly in the NFL. Not every game is going to be pretty, um, mm-hmm. especially for a rebuilding team with a team like the Texans that aren't that good. This is a win you would want to see them get. This is a step in the right direction. Zach's first game back and he was rusty. We'll get to that in a second, but you know, they did, they did a lot for what they needed to do and, and eventually ended up in a win. So let's go ahead and get into it. We're not going to spend too long breaking it down here, but we'll start off first. Uh, I want to talk about Zach Wilson and I want to talk about his inaccuracy because I think that was the biggest issue with him uh, in this game. He really did not play well. I, mean, I think we all need to be honest about that, but we also need to put everything in context. It's his seventh career game. I'm pretty sure if not seventh and sixth, he is very, very young still. He mm-hmm. is still learning, even with the time off that he had to learn. He is still learning on the job. And on top of his inexperience, he's coming off an injury. He had a month away. He was very clearly rusty in his mechanics. And I think that's what led to his inaccuracy more than anything else. His footwork in the pocket when he was getting to a second read or a check down fell apart. And he would mm-hmm. try and throw all arm and just, as they say, be a dart thrower and aim and not put any of your lower body into it. And it made it really hard for him to be accurate that way. And it's not something we saw from him in college. His mechanics in college were routinely very clean. It was part of what made him such a good prospect as he had this really talented arm, but he also had these really, really good throwing mechanics that let that arm do even more. His release was very quick. He was able to keep his, uh, keep his base set and be able to turn and fire at different arm angles. He was very, very clean mechanically in college. And we saw some of it in the first game against Carolina. Uh, My co-host on my other podcast, the Oklahoma drill podcast, uh, Vitor Paiva, he did a breakdown this morning on Twitter where he brought up a play from the Carolina game. And Zach was able to stay in the pocket, go through his reads, get to the backside of a play and make a throw without losing his footwork and without his mechanics getting sloppy. And that was what I saw in Houston that really gave him a lot of issues was sloppy footwork and not having his lower body and upper body in sync when he's throwing. On the positive, he didn't make any dumb decisions into coverage. He didn't make any risky throws downfield. He didn't try and fit a ball into a really tight window and have it end up being intercepted on the pitch play to Johnson that was intercepted. Ty Johnson's looking at him when he starts to pitch and right as he, the ball leaves Wilson's hands, Ty Johnson turns around thinking it's going to be a block. I'm not going to get on him too much for that. I would have preferred he just ran and slide, but I can understand coming off a knee injury, not thinking you're going to pick up the yards and expecting Ty Johnson to be able to get the first down and not you. So I'm not going to hate on the decision too much. I don't really like pitches in general in that situation because I think they're very risky. But like I said, not going to split hairs. Overall, he played a clean game. His issue was that he couldn't hit short throws. And I want to throw some numbers out there because it really was staggering to me when I broke it down this way. He finished the game with 145 yards passing. 
46 of the 145 came on one play to Braxton Berrios, and it was a five-yard hitch route that Berrios ran for 46. It was not a play down the field. It was not 46 air yards. It was a five-yard hitch route that, quite honestly, Zach Wilson almost threw in the dirt, and Berrios had to scoop off the ground and somehow was able to quickly evade tackles, get outside, and run for a big game. You take those stats away, that one play away, he finished with 23 completions for 99 yards or 23 attempts for 99 yards on 13 completions. That's 4.1 yards per attempt. That would have been his worst yards per attempt of the season. This mm-hmm. was a very, very poor game from him statistically, but the film shows, in my opinion, growth. It mm-hmm. shows that he saw in the time off, I need to be smarter with the football. I need to find my check down. I need to get the ball to Ty Johnson, get the ball to Braxton Berrios, get the ball to Elijah Moore. I can't be always expecting the deep shot. And we saw him attempt a lot more short passes than we've seen him before. And I thought they were all pretty solid decisions. He was throwing to open targets, but it doesn't matter if you don't get the ball to where it needs to go. So what I want to see from Zach Wilson is I want to see him spend this next week. And quite honestly, the rest of the season, every day at practice, drilling in footwork every day getting to the top of this drop going through his reads and getting the muscle memory back of being clean in the pocket because he's making good decisions now and i think that's the difference between what he was doing before and what he's doing now he's making the right decision with the football he's going the right place he's not making a bad decision throwing into coverage risking uh or anything like that quite honestly he's making really smart decisions with the football but it doesn't matter because he's not completing the passes dial in your footwork Get your upper and lower halves in sync because it doesn't matter who you are. You could be Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, anybody. You are never going to be a routinely consistent, accurate thrower if you don't get your lower body in sync. Some guys can make talented throws with all arm and they can do it. It seems amazing. Ask them to do it 100 times. They'll do it 60. They're not going to be consistent. And Zach Wilson is very talented and his arm is very talented. But right now he's trusting his arm to do too much. When he's in the pocket, he's trying to just throw all arm. He's not getting his lower half in sync at all. He's not stepping into throws. And it's really, really messing with his accuracy. And Mm -hmm. my worry, and this is why I think it really needs to be drilled in, is if it doesn't get cleaned up, this is going to be a bad habit that develops that's going to be something else he's going to have to clean up. This was not a problem in college. This was not something that he had at BYU where – you saw him in the pocket lose his footwork or not. If he's going to his second or third progression, not be able to hitch and throw and keep his base. He was very, very clean at it when he was in college. This would be a new problem. Now, this would be something that has now been created in the NFL. And you're no longer just trying to improve from where you were in college, fix what was wrong and adjust to the NFL game. Now you have a whole new issue that you're going to have to dedicate time to. And if it goes into this, his off season, his first off season after his rookie season, then that takes away from the time that he spends making the sophomore leap. And I think with a player like Zach Wilson, he is the type of guy that can make that second year leap more than a lot of other people because he's got the talent. He's smart when it comes to reading defenses and understanding coverages for the most part. I think his dumb decisions are playing hero ball. I don't think that he's not knowing what he's looking at completely and not understanding what's in front of him. The guy understands football. We know this. He's got the talent. We know this. He just needs to dial in the little things and learn how to be an NFL quarterback more than he was in college. 
But if he doesn't get his mechanics right, he's never going to be accurate and none of that's going to matter. That's why it's my first point. Get your mechanics down. Get your muscle memory in sync. Get everything clean. Everything starts from the ground up when you are a quarterback and when you are throwing the ball. And if your lower half is not in tune, you're never going to be accurate. Yeah, I'll tell you what. With regards to his accuracy, and I saw a lot of what you were talking about throwing all arm, um, I would say this. Playing at BYU, that, that's, that's, it's not the, I don't think it's the SEC. No, it isn't. And it's darn sure not the National Football League. Things are happening a lot faster for him. Yeah. I think at BYU, his pockets were a lot cleaner. Now he's, you know, when I watched that game, the one thing that stuck out to me was the pressure that both defensive lines were able to get on the quarterback. You know, yeah. we talked about it last week where, you know, your concern was making sure we did, you know, you contain Tyrod Taylor. And I think for the most part, they did that. Um, with regards to Wilson, I, those things are going to come. I really think yeah. those things are going to come. Um, I could see where whatever, you know, whatever injury he's coming back from, I can see where, where it was hurting him. The thing that I didn't like, uh, and, and yes, we are coming off of a win, but we all, you know, we're talking about Zach Wilson. Um, and I think I have to put some of this on, on, on the play caller. I felt like there was too much play action fake going on where Houston was close, was close to the line of scrimmage. It looked like they were bringing pressure. And that's where I saw Zach Wilson, where it looked like, you know, he, he, he yeah. wasn't setting his feet. He was throwing all arm. It's because a, lot, a large part of this, that he was under pressure. Yeah. Um, with that said, I think that those are things that that he will correct. Um, but but defensively, I love what I saw out of the Jets defensively, especially out of the Jets front four. Mm-hmm. I think they did a great job of getting pressure with just four guys, making Tyrod Taylor run around, forcing him to throw the ball under pressure. Like I really love what the defense did. The defense played. I think all year long they kind of they they played with speed, but it just seemed like every play it's just they were there. I could see eleven guys getting to the ball, which is which is a lot faster than what I've what I've seen this entire season. Um, and as we move forward and we get ready for this Eagles game, you know, you talk about Zach Wilson, he has to be better with his footwork. Um, the defensive line, I think that they have to make sure that they continue to build from the momentum that they built against Houston, because I really think that a large part of why the Jets won this game was because of the defensive line. If you eliminate that one big play, um, you know, I, I, Houston yeah. was just, it was a know, seven point game. This was yeah, not was, a blowout. Very this, this was close until the end. This was like yeah. we said, it was the beginning. This was an ugly win, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as, and in, when your quarterback plays the way that he did, as good as your defense played, if your defense isn't generating points or turnovers and bunches as good as they played, you know, it's hard. And that's why it was only a seven point margin of victory. The jets were the better team. It was very clear. The jets were the better team, but it was only a seven point win. Yeah. But I, red zone. And we'll talk about that as we, as we prepare for the, uh, for the Eagles game, you know, missed field goals. Yeah. You know, Red zone, you know, first thing goal, and, and and you walk away with a field goal. Those are things that they that they have to get corrected, and and those are things that I don't believe can happen this week against the Eagles. If you get into the red zone, I believe you're going to have to score some points against the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I want to add on to that real quick because it's it's the mixing of the two points that you just made that I think fit perfectly into each other, and it's efficiency in the red zone and unneeded play action on the yeah. play, uh, the whip route to Elijah Moore, where Elijah Moore slips. 
they have a play action power call where Wilson's holding and sweeping the ball to the right and looking right. And then coming back to Moore afterwards where Moore's mm-hmm. the first read in the whip route. But yes, mm-hmm. the whip route takes a little time to develop, but you're making Wilson look right. Come all the way back the other way. Have the guard pulling with all this action. Like you're saying that makes it harder for him to get set. He has to do all of this stuff first or have the offensive line moving in front of him, especially if it's a play action where it looks like a run play, but they're pass blocking. Mm-hmm. George Fant got smoked on that play. He got absolutely smoked. And Ty Johnson, you're terp. I love him as a receiver, but oh my goodness, my guy needs to learn how to pass protect. Because he's that's not his game. And some guys, some guys are better as receivers. That's what they do. Smart coaches won't ask him to pass protect. They'll let him run routes and they'll put Tevin Coleman in when they need someone to pass protect. But you know, that's a different rant. Mm-hmm. But that's a situation where you're right. They could have scored. They end up getting sacked. They end up having to kick a field goal on that possession. And that was after a turnover. That was yeah. after an interception from Ashton Davis, where the game is seven. I don't think the Texans had scored yet. I think it was zero. It was zero, zero still. You could go out and get an early lead. And, and it was just a missed opportunity. The Eagles are a better team. They're not yeah. going to be able to, to miss those opportunities against the Eagles. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And as we, we move forward to the uh, Eagles game, um, sticking with the offense, you, know, you kind of hit on it. My first point is you have to get off to a fast start. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but if you look at the first half of games with Zach Wilson as the quarterback, the Jets aren't scoring a lot of points. No. And that 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 definitely has to change. Um, um, it puts the defense in a bad position, and it allows teams to, to keep their offenses, just keep their offenses open. You're not You're not getting leads which means you're allowing teams to maintain their entire offense. Uh, you're not making a team one-dimensional. And and it, it's just, listen, I get it that he's a rookie. Yeah, I understand that. I get it that Corey Davis, I, I, don't, I didn't, didn't, didn't hear Corey Davis' name. Didn't play. Did it, did it matter? Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm, start, I'm starting to wonder if it mattered. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, it, listen. You have to get off to a fast start. It's just that simple. I mean, I think the defense is going to get better. I think that when you look at when you look at, at the Jets from a defensive standpoint, I think that there are a lot of bright spots on the defense. And I'm really excited about how the defensive line played. You have to help these guys out and score some points in the first half. It can't be every game you come in, make a halftime adjustment, and then you're playing these close games throughout. Take advantage of the opportunities that you're getting in the first half. Allow your defense, who just naturally looks excited, give them something, you know, give them something to get hype about. You have to get off to a fast start against the Eagles. The Eagles are coming off a loss against the Giants, which, which you know, I'm pretty sure that they're disappointed in themselves because, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is they're still in contention for a wild card spot. And so that's a big loss. So for the Jets, you have to get off to a fast start because you're playing against a team who's really, I think that the Eagles playoff life is on the line right now. Lose to the Jets this weekend, the Eagles are out of the playoffs, in my opinion. Beat the Jets this weekend, and now you're still competing with the Washington football team and all the other teams competing for their wild card spot. So my first point for this game is, hey, offensively, you have to get off to a fast start. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, you cannot play every game from behind and the jets have been playing a lot of games from behind where they get down real bad, real early. And then they're having to play catch up. 
we haven't seen what this defense is like when they're the ones playing with a lead. We haven't seen what it's like when they get to be the aggressors, when they get to pin their ears back and no one offense has to be throwing more to catch up. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what plays into this defense's hands. That's when this defense plays their best, when they get to be aggressive and they get to go all out and they don't have to worry about containing and trying not to stop the the bleeding from getting Mm -hmm. worse. And if your offense can get out to a fast start, that's going to allow them to do that. And against this Eagles offensive line, which we'll get to in a little bit, they're going to have to be able to get after it because the Eagles got some goddamn ass kickers up front. And if they don't have the opportunity to get going full steam, they're going to get ran over. So you got to be able to jump out to an early lead. And I completely agree. That's going to lead me into my first point, which is specifically, how do you do that? And I think you got to at least early, and this may be counterintuitive, but this is just how I feel about it. Watching from what I've seen from Zach Wilson coming back. Ideally, you get things going early with the run game and the short game. And I agree that the run game should be a big factor involved in this. I will get to that in a little bit as well, but I want to see some early intermediate throws with Zach Wilson. I want to see some, instead of asking him to hit all these short passes that he's struggling to hit, I want to see him get into a rhythm with throws that we know he's capable of. He had, in my opinion, his best throw of the day on a play action, come back to Elijah Moore against the Texans. Uh, I was think it was about 18 yards, 21 yards, something about that. And it's just a simple play action on first down single back. Wilson turns his back play action, sets his back foot, throws the ball right as Moore is getting out of his break. His mechanics are perfect. The ball is perfect. Great throw on time. Elijah Moore catches it. It's a, it's a chunk play. Anything over 15 yards is considered a chunk play in the NFL. So there you go. I want to see some of that early instead of expecting him to just sit there and dink and dunk down the field and being scared of this Eagles defense, which quite honestly is has talent in in some areas, especially on the defensive line and especially in the secondary with Darius Slay. But overall, schematically, they're not that complicated. They're very similar to the Jets defense where it's, we want to be aggressive. We want to rush for play zone behind it and Mm -hmm. let our defensive line win. Well, Wilson's been practicing against that all year. Mm -hmm. He's familiar against defense like that, maybe more so than others. And I think that you got to give some trust in him to not just call everything short underneath and think that's going to get him into a rhythm. Let him get confident hitting a couple of these throws downfield. Let him get into a rhythm passing. Let him feel like himself. And I think you'll see him hit those short throws afterwards. I think he'll be more comfortable. He'll be more settled down. And the one thing with Wilson as we've seen, at least in my opinion, early is that if he starts bad, eventually he'll get better as time goes on, but he's got to work through the bad first. So Mm -hmm. let's get him comfortable early. Let's get him going with stuff that we know he can do. And on top of that, I think it's going to open up the short stuff. If you come out trying to attack a little more down the field, I'm not saying come out and throw deep bombs. That's the last thing I'm saying. I'm saying let's throw some 15 yard out routes. Let's throw a blaze out in there. Let's get some deep overs. Let's get some, some deep digs and nothing more than 15 to 20 yards down the field, but not turn Wilson into a check down Charlie. Let's not ask him to do what right now he's not doing well, quite honestly, he's not throwing the ball well short and it doesn't, it's not going to matter if you get the guys open. And if he makes the right read, if he can't complete the pass, that's what we saw against Houston. So my yep. first point would be get him into a rhythm early with some more intermediate passes. I'm not, like you said, the play action and pass protection worries me a little bit, but plays like the comeback to more. 
doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be a play action, but routes combinations like that, that are designed to attack a little more down the field. I think that's where Wilson's a little more comfortable right now. And I think that is the key to get him into a rhythm early and hopefully get your offense going early. Because if the Eagles are expecting, we're going to play clock control, keep everything short underneath and, you know, not make the mistake with our quarterback and you don't get out to a lead, it can be hard to play that way. And the Eagles might be playing more shallow and up, up front anyway, expecting Wilson to try and be looking short. So you might have more space intermediate anyway. And at that point, what we've all wanted from Wilson is take what the defense gives you. I think the defense might be giving you the intermediate. And that's where I would attack first. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. From what I'm seeing and just my experience with play action, when you go play action, most of the time you're looking to take a shot or yeah. you're looking at those intermediate routes. Right. The problem is, is that he doesn't have time to actually allow the route concepts to develop. That's because the offensive line, they're getting pushed back into his lap, things of that nature. I would like to see them get away from the college style system. And it, it just seemed like when white was in the game, they ran more of a pro style system. That's just the way it seemed. It was more drop yeah. back, let the quarterback read things out. Whereas with Zach Wilson, it's let's do the motions. Let's do all of these different things. I personally, I would like to see them. Hey, be check down Charlie. If you have to, the most important thing for me for, for Wilson is we need you to get the ball to the person that, the ball supposed to go to right in a timely fashion. Like that's, that's, that's what we need. It can't be, Oh, the guy's open and he's late on the throw. We can't have yeah. that anymore. Like, yes, I do understand that this is his rookie season. He is coming back off of an injury. Um, so this would be his second game back. But <clears throat> if you want to hit those intermediate routes, the offensive line has to give protection. Yeah. Um, and, and this leads, this leads, leads me to my next point. You have to continue to run the ball. I think they did a great job with their run scheme. Yeah. The way they had the different backs just alternating through. That boy, Austin Walter, I think that he would be a key. He is another version of Carter. He's the third my- Michael Carter. I tweeted it yes. during the game. He's the third <laughs> Michael Carter. I like him. He brings that explosive nature that we need from the backfield. It's not that Ty can't give it to you. It's yeah. not that Coleman can't give it to you. It's just those backs are going to give you more power. Walter is going to give you, he's small enough to hit those little creases and he can explode. I think that you continue to run the ball. If you continue to run the ball, that's going to open things up um, down the field, but it goes back, you know, it, all comes back down to the offensive line, the offensive line. They have to do a good job of firing off the ball because this Eagles defensive line, Fletcher Cox, listen, these guys are savage. Yep. These guys are savage and they have the ability to get pressure on the quarterback with just their down four, which would allow them to just drop their seven back into coverage, which will make things really hard for Zach Wilson. So for me, Get that run game going. We don't want to be in third and long situations. Let's make sure, hey, let's pick up three yards on first down. Maybe you pick up two or three yards on second down. Now you're looking at third and five, maybe third and four, something manageable that now your playbook is wide open. And if everything breaks down, now Zach Wilson can use his legs to pick up a first down. Um, So for me, my next point is, hey, continue to build off of the momentum that you had from this last game against Houston and get that run game going. I like the different variety. I, I, yeah. I like the, how much variety they had with, yeah. with their run game. I yeah. think that it, it was good. Continue, continue to build off of that. Yeah. Uh, we're in, we're in lockstep. Cause that's my next point too. 
was get the run game going and not give up on it. Um, I com- could not agree with you more. And the variety in their run scheme, all we heard in the offseason was it's going to be Michael Floor, it's going to be wide zone, outside zone, inside zone, and that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. They do everything. They run power, they run trap, they run counters, they run zone, weak zone, you know, split zone, any type of zone you can think of. They run a pin and pull. They run whatever they need to run. And Elijah Vera mm-hmm. Tucker does whatever he needs to do and just get behind him and trust that you're going to have a hole open because more often than not, he's going to do it. So I'm right there with mm-hmm. you. You got to establish the run game because as much as I said, get Zach into a rhythm with some intermediate throws. And I agree that if the defense is giving him checkdowns, be a check down Charlie, mm-hmm. but he has to hit the throws. Yes. That was my issue is that I'm not confident that he is going to do that consistently. I'm more confident in him hitting 15 yard comebacks to Elijah Moore than I am in him hitting four yard checkdowns to Ty Johnson. So mm-hmm. if he can hit the checkdowns and they're there and that's where the defense is giving you the ball hit it. I agree. <laughs> but on top of that, you need to control the clock in this game. You, you need to be dominant in time of possession. You cannot have your defense on the field all day. You cannot let this Eagles offense run you run all over you with the way they are running the football right now. Mm-hmm. You have to control the clock and control time of possession in this game. And you do that with your run game. You mm-hmm. do that with your offensive line. You do that by being the nastier team up front on offense. And that will help develop those intermediate passes as well. That will open up some of those shots and you'll get to situations where you can call a play action and feel confident about it because you know, the defense is going to be thinking run. You're not going to have to worry about guys pinning their ears back and your offensive line can just get them in a down block and keep them there. And it's over. Mm -hmm. I'm, I think that it's the most important thing offensively is getting the run going. If the jets Mm -hmm. cannot get the run going, I think they're going to have a hard time offensively. It could be, it could be rough. And again, to be fair, I want to be very clear. That would be a poor situation for Zach Wilson. That would be a poor situation that he would be having to overcome. And I agree. This is the NFL. You were took, they drafted you second overall to win these situations, to pull mm-hmm. the team out of this. Are you going to be the old move the stick saying, are you a truck or a trailer? Are you mm-hmm. pulling the team behind you or is the team having to pull you? Mm-hmm. But he is coming off an injury. It will be still in the middle of his rookie season, still not even his 10th game or close to it. And if the Jets run game isn't getting going, it's likely their offensive line isn't playing well. I doubt that they would be able to pass protect and not run block because recently mm-hmm. it seemed like the opposite. So if that is the situation, that's going to be rough. So you have to get the run game going early. You have to be able to use your various uh, schematics in your run game to your advantage. And I think against an aggressive defensive line, like the Eagles, you can kind of play them like how the jets get played on the defensive line. You can trap them. You can, you can get some, some misdirection going. And I think that we've seen that the jets had that in their run game. And I think it could pay off big dividends here, but I think we're in lockstep that without the run game, this, this is going to get ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, offensively, the the last point I want to make is I think you have to get Barrios more involved. I think you have to get him more involved. He's another guy that in space, he can make things happen once he gets the ball in his hands. Um, When you look at just the skill weapons, I think that this game is going to be all about space. All right. The Eagles, they got Rieger, they got Smith, they have Scott, they have Sanders, and they have Hurts. All right. These are all guys that in the open field or in space, they can hurt you. And you Watkins. And Watkins. Watkins is underrated. If you look at 
the Jets, you have more, and now you have Walters. I think you have to get Barrios more involved in this in this equation, especially if 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 the Eagles aren't going to give you anything deep, then it's going to come down to checking the ball down and then letting the guy make make a play after they catch the ball. Then I think Barrios has to be he has to be more involved in 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 this offense. I mean, if you're not getting anything from Crowder, um, you just have to get him more involved simply because. You want to be able to match best you can the weapons that the Eagles have. Now, look, the Eagles don't have a winning record, all right? But no. we cannot downplay the weapons that they have, especially when you get these guys to ball in space. So, for me, I want to see him get more involved in offense. We saw what happened. You, you already talked about it. Five-yard yep. chip down, big, big yep. game. We need to see more of that. And I think that that's something that will help out, um, that would help Zach Wilson out, is by getting that extra playmaker out there on the field. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, Braxton Berrios proved me so wrong this year because going into training camp, I thought he was the odd man out in the receiver group. I thought mm-hmm. that that they were going to keep either Jeff Smith or Vincent Smith because they were guys that I thought could fill the Elijah Moore role a little bit better. And you know what? Braxton Berrios can do that just fine. He's yeah. a lot better than I thought he was. He is a mm-hmm. bona fide receiving weapon, and he is an excellent return man. And yeah. I'm, I agree. He is explosive. He is dangerous with the ball in his hands. He is able to take short passes that the quarterback damn near throws in the dirt and turn them into 46 yard gains. Mm -hmm. That's valuable. And that's really, that makes your quarterback look better than he is. You get, you get a third of your passing yards on one play because Braxton Berrios can apparently run four, three flat with the way he was moving. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he is explosive. And he is really, really quick in short areas. I think his vision with the ball in his hands is really good. Um, Yeah, yeah, I agree. And especially the Jets receiving core is probably going to be down again this week. Corey Davis is likely not to be playing. Uh, Keelan Cole is on the COVID list now. Denzel Mims is just getting back to practice. So your top two receivers are more in Crowder. You might have to have Barrios involved more. He might be by default the guy that comes in and gets more opportunities because I don't know who else they're going to have on the outside. If Keelan Cole and Corey Davis are both not playing and Denzel Mims is coming back, you know, slowly from all of his time off, you know, it Barrios might be the guy that gets featured. And I think it might end off paying dividends. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I, I think so. And I think that that's why we have to get him involved. Um, you know, me being a running back, I love talking offense, um, but this game is going to be one on this side of the ball and that's about defense and for me the number one point is the defensive line has to be dominant you have to keep hurts in the pocket you cannot allow him to 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 destroy you by using his legs he has shown that that he will throw into double coverage he has shown that he will stare down his receivers but he has also shown that when things break down and you allow him to use his feet that he will destroy you so defensively, my first point is the defensive line has to be dominant. I think the D-line was dominant against Houston. I really do. They have to take it to the next level, continue with what they did this past week, build on it, and, and this is where the game is going to be won. Whichever team's defensive line can dominate the opposing offensive line, I think that that is where this game is won. Because I, I if you look at the Eagles' offensive line, I, I don't think that they're – I mean – they are who they are. You look at the Jets offensive line, we are who we are. But if it's one thing that when I watch the film is that these defensive lines, they just flat out get after it. 
Yep. And so for me, defensively, the defensive line, they have to be dominant. You have to keep Hurts in the pocket. Staying in your rush lanes is going to be critical because he'll take that snap. He'll drop back. He'll take his couple of hitches. And if you're not in your rush lane, he's going to take that thing. Yep. And it's going to be a long day. So my first point, D-line has to be dominant. Yeah, uh, we're in lockstep again. I think we we're we're going to be really really in tune with this game because I think it's very obvious the 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 keys to it. Uh, it's a matchup where, quite honestly, you have two pretty similar teams. You have aggressive defenses, front fours that rush rush heavy and coverage behind it. You have offenses with quarterbacks that can move around and are somewhat shaky and not always reliable and run games that are playing well. It's very similar, and I, I completely and totally agree that the defensive line has to win this game. If the defensive line is does not be the better matchup in the trenches against the Eagles offensive line, they will not win. I don't care what the offense does. They're mm-hmm. not going to be on the field enough. Yeah. They're just, they're not going to be on the field enough. The Eagles yep. will steamroll them. They're rushing for over 150 yards a game right now. And they were, they were not very run heavy early in the season, even though they had the talent to be. And they've recently in the last few weeks kind of gone away and been more run heavy and realized their mistakes, getting Miles Sanders the ball again as he's come back from an injury. They got a lot of guys in that run game. And most importantly, Jalen Hurts makes it 11 on 11. Yeah. This is not yeah. a regular run game that you're facing. Like we were talking about with the Houston, the Houston Texans, we weren't, I wasn't so worried about Tyrod on like read option plays or anything like that. The Texans really didn't do it, but this is different. You have to account for Hertz in the fit. You yeah. have to, if, and, and a six man box against a five man line is now six on six yeah. and they can get that extra blocker really, really easily, especially when it's a running back who can get to the edge and seal a lot faster than a pulling guard can. So you got, you got to be, up front, you got to be up tight. You got to be strong. You got to be sound. You got to be able to contain where you are, not give ground. I think that's the biggest thing, not give ground and be able to maintain your position. You got to be aggressive and you got to win. I think that's certainly part of it. You can't be passive and just sit and wait for Jalen hurts to run into you, but you got to, like you said, you got to be, you got to keep integrity. You got to have your rush lane set and you got to be able to slow down this run game because that's going to be what the Eagles are going to try and establish. If you can turn Jalen hurts into a pass first quarterback, if you can turn the Eagles offense back into a pass first offense, now I think you have a chance on defense. Now I think you're playing the game into your hands, but if you just let the Eagles come out and run the ball the way they want to, it's going to be tough. And especially since we've seen what a run scheme like this can do against this just defensive line, because Sirianni was on the Colt staff last year. He's got all his run schemes from Frank Reich. Those are going to be similar plays that he knows that he's going to be able to look at their film and go, what worked when the Colts rushed for 200 and something yards? What can I do? That's going to be similar. So you got a tough matchup from the offensive line talent perspective and schematically, if the defensive line doesn't play dominantly, like you said, it's going to be really, really hard for them to get a win. Yep. Yep. And and that leads me to my next point is you have to make the Eagles one dimensional. You have to make them one dimensional. Listen, if they're going to run the ball, hey, let them run the ball. All right. Yeah. Let them drive down the field. Don't get in end zone, kick field goals. If that's what it is, then hey, we got a chance yeah. to win it. But if you allow this run game to get going, I, I think that this is going to be a blowout. Yeah. This is going to be a blowout if you get this run game going simply for the fact that Scott and Saunders, these are home run hitters. Yeah, they are. These guys are home run hitters. They can make you miss and they're dangerous in the open field. Then you add in Hurts, 
to to the equation, which is like you said, he's making it eleven on eleven. Make this Eagles team one dimensional, and I and now listen, the offense plays a part in that. Yeah, the offense definitely. plays a part in that like because we said, you got to own the clock. Yeah, you got you got to own the clock, but you also have to score some points to make a team abandon their run game. And then that puts you in a better position to succeed because listen, I would rather have Hertz drop back and throw the ball 35, 40 times 100%. opposed to turning around and handing the ball off or having seven to 10 runs himself. That's not what we want. So my next point would be make the Eagles one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you. I, that's, you gotta be able, like I said, you gotta be able to dictate the flow of the game. You can't let the Eagles do what they want to do, which is ground and pound you all day. You got to be mm-hmm. able to make them uncomfortable and go to what they're not as familiar with, which is passing the football heavily. So you do that by stopping the run first. And that's yeah. why we talked about that first and foremost. And you do that offensively by getting out to an early lead and not playing from behind. Mm-hmm. But then what do you do schematically to make that happen even more so? And that's going to lead me to my last point. Mm-hmm. Less man coverage, more zone coverage against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Man coverage against mobile quarterbacks is dangerous because if you don't spy, you're not going to have anybody with their, with their eyes on the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And if they can get around the rush of the contain of the front four, there's nobody between them and people going downfield. And you're Mm going to have Hertz going for green grass all day long. On top of that, man coverage can be moved with motion and you can get people out of the way or where you want them to be by motioning a defender, knowing that he's going to follow in man coverage, especially linebackers. Mm-hmm. So if we need to stop the run first and foremost, I don't want them messing with the run fit. I don't want them getting guys into an alignment or motioning somebody over to the other side and, and getting a, a soft edge and being able to create any sort of advantage for this running game, especially with the way that they work with their powers and their poles. It's all about getting the right angle, taking, you know, pinning and pulling and getting on the right side. I don't want them moving my guys around on defense, getting in the run fit. So I want to play zone because zone is not going to be moved as much with motion. And on top of that, when it is a passing play, you have eyes on Jalen hurts and Mm -hmm. you can contain his scrambles. If he does scramble a lot easier than if you're playing man coverage, because if you're playing man coverage, your eyes are going to be on the receiver, not on the quarterback. You're not going to be able to even see that he's leaving the pocket and scrambling with the ball. So I think Mm -hmm. that if the jets, which I don't expect them to, to have a very man heavy approach, Mm -hmm. but they do it a lot on third down. And I think that it could be a death sentence for them, quite honestly, on third down where you're going to have like a third and eight opportunity and the jets run a, a, a one robber and you have crossers coming from across the field. And even if the jets corners play great and they lock it up. And I thought Javelin Gidry played fantastic at outside corner last week, real quick to add on that. But even if the corners are playing great, if the defensive line doesn't get home and Hertz can just run around to the edge and gain 15 yards, that's a backbreaking first down. So I think you have to be more zone heavy in your approach. I think it helps the run game. I think it helps the passing game. I think it helps contain Jalen Hurts and it helps contain this Eagles offense as a whole. And like you said, you want to make Jalen Hurts one dimensional. You want to make the Eagles offense one dimensional. And if you want him throwing 35, 40 times a game, that's in your best interest. Well, let's do it in zone coverage where he can't just pick a matchup with his talented skill players and say, go win. Let's mm-hmm. not worry about Devontae Smith getting isolated in the slot one-on-one against Michael Carter and seeing who's going to win that matchup. I think mm-hmm. Michael Carter might win his fair share of reps, but Devontae Smith is 
in my opinion, an excellent receiver and very, very hard to cover a receiver. That would be really tough for Michael Carter to have to do for most of the game, especially in crucial, crucial situations. So I say, ditch the man on third down, ditch the man for most of the day, quite honestly. Let's get into some more zone coverage. Let's not let this Eagles offense just be the better team. And I think zone coverage helps you. Man coverage is about winning matchups. The Mm -hmm. the old adage in the NFL is if you can't play man, don't play man. Meaning Mm -hmm. if you don't have the talent at DB to keep up, you're going to get toasted. I don't think that's necessarily the Jets case, but I think everything else about playing man coverage could toast them. So get in your zone, keep your run fit sound, contain Jalen Hurts. Don't worry so much about playing man, play zone. Now, yeah, now that leads me to my next point, which it it really fits in with what you're talking about. I'm kind of on the other side. I want you to play man. Yeah, I want you to play man and I want you to bring pressure. Okay. That's what you do. I want you to play man. You bring pressure and you force him to get the ball out of his hands. You force them, you you make them throw that 50-50. So if you have Smith running a go route, I'd rather for Hurts to have to get the ball up early and 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 force him to get the ball out of his hands, opposed to letting him drop back and kind of pick your zone apart, because it leads to my next point. Your linebackers and coverage against Scott and Sanders can can eat it's going to make you or break you because if you're not giving up the deep ball and we're talking about playing zone most of the time whether it's a flat route whether it's an angle route whether you're just sitting whether it's a running back running a shallow cross whatever it is we're playing zone we're going to have linebackers checking scott and smith i'm sorry smith checking scott and sanders that's those are matchups that I'm really interested in when you talk about Mosley and the crew, those guys, because now you're talking about those, you, you know, you talk about Jalen Hurts, third and eight, he breaks around the corner, picks up 15 yards for a run. Well, hey, third and eight, third and nine, check the ball down three or four yards to Scott or Sanders. They make a guy miss. Now they pick up a first down. Those are things that are going to be critical, which leads me to, which, like I said, it goes hand in hand, the secondary and coverage when you blitz. The secondary and coverage when you blitz. Hey, come out in this game. I agree with you. Come out and play zone. Let's see if this front four can get pressure on Hurts and, and force him to get the ball out a lot earlier. Force him yeah. put him in those situations where he's staring the guy down while he's throwing into double coverage. But if that's not if, if that's not working, if they're moving the ball, I say you bring pressure. You bring pressure and and you just say, hey, defensive line, you do your job linebackers or secondary, whoever, whoever's coming, no hesitation. Everybody stay in your lane. Force Hurts to go backwards, not scramble and circle that corner. I think we talked about this uh, with, our, with our first show about not allowing quarterbacks to get outside yep. the pocket. It is the same exact thing. So I'm with you on playing zone. If our front four can get pressure on Hurts. Yeah. But if you can't get pressure on him, with just the front four, I like what they did against Houston. And I think that it has some effect on Tyrod Taylor, which was the reason that he was always moving. Sometimes you saw Houston with their pass protections, with the play call, they were moving the pocket. Yeah. They were anticipating that yeah. pressure. The D line was dominating Houston's offensive line, in my opinion. And oh, that's yeah. why we had the outcome that we had. So for me, your linebackers and coverage against the backs is going to be critical because I think that that's the matchup that favors the Eagles. All right. And then from there, your cornerbacks, hey, listen, if you got Smith, if you're checking Rieger, whoever you're checking at the end of the day, you got to 
You just got to man up. You have to check him. The other part about bringing pressure is that by bringing pressure with your linebackers, that allows you to put a safety. Put one of your safeties who's starting out in a cover two. Let those guys be the guys to check Scott and Sanders out the backfield. I feel like that that's a more favorable matchup for the Jets, opposed to allowing these backs to run routes against the linebackers. So um, <clears throat> I think our points go hand in hand. You want to see zone. I think the D-line has to be dominant. If the zone is going to work, it's going to be because the defensive line is getting pressure on Hurts. But you also have to make sure that you're putting pressure on Hurts. Everybody stand in their rush lanes. Give them, give him a multitude of different looks. And, and, and then let the guys go out there and play ball. So I think that our two points go hand in hand. But it all circles back to this one thing defensively. Whether you play zone or whether you play man, this defensive line has to be dominant. They have to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have the, like an if then flow chart for this game defensively set up where it's, if your defensive line is playing great play zone and make hurts drop back. If they are not playing great, get pressure, trust your coverage and see if you can get force him to get the ball out early in an ideal world. The jets are playing zone. In best case scenario, the defensive line is winning with four. They're getting pressure on Hertz. The linebackers are not giving up too much in coverage. And I'll be honest, I thought they played great in coverage against Houston. I was really impressed with Quincy Williams. He has finally taken some of that athletic talent and started to understand what's happening in front of him and process before things are happening. And it's paying off dividends. I remember saying if, and after his first couple of weeks that I thought he could be a really, really good coverage linebacker because of his potential and his speed and his athleticism. He just wasn't able to see the ball. He mm -hmm. would just look and, and fly at the first thing he saw. And there were multiple opportunities, I thought, where he could have had interceptions earlier in the season because he mm -hmm. reads the play right and he's going to where the ball is, especially on passes to running backs, like you're saying. And he goes and just goes to make the hit. And the ball falls incomplete. And it hits him in the back of the head. And it's like, if you just looked at it, you could have picked six. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's getting better. And so I'm okay with trusting them a little more in coverage. However, I agree that if you see early that they're getting toasted, you can't just keep doing the same thing. You can't yeah. just, and I think that goes with football in general is that mm -hmm. if what you are doing is not working, you cannot continue to do it and expect it to work. You have to find yeah. other ways to go about what you're doing. It's not just if your run game isn't working, it's not stop running the football. It's run a different way. If your passing game isn't working, it's not stop passing the football. It's called different passing plays, set it up with a run and play action. There's ways to mitigate what you're doing. And I think defensively we have it laid out. Mm -hmm. The defensive line has to win. If they don't win, you have to get pressure. You don't do either of those things. You're not going to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, um, I'm actually looking forward to this game. I think that it's, it's a winnable game. Me too. Uh, and, and but I think this this is also going to lead us into our picks. I think that this is a winnable game, but I also think that this is a game that hey, listen, the Eagles could could blow the Jets out in this yep. game. We have to remember the Eagles are playing for something. As far as I'm concerned, their playoff lives are on the line, and I believe for the Eagles, matter of fact, the entire NFC East, this is your last time playing outside of your conference. So from here on out. The Eagles are going to be playing the Washington football team. They're going to be playing the Cowboys. Um, um, 
I'm forgetting about the, the oh, they've already the played Giants. the Giants. Yeah. So <clears throat> for them, if you're talking about NFC East opponents and you're fighting for a playoff spot. So you have the Jets who are team that's building, looking to see what players want to be in New York, which players are, are can you build around in New York? And you're playing against a team that's, hey, we're still fighting for our playoff lives. And so this is going to be a, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting game. It can either be close with the Jets win or it could be ugly with the Eagles blowout. And so, you yeah. know, I like to hear, I know that you have a, you, you have a banger of a bet. Yeah. So yeah. I'll let you go first. Yeah. Let's get into this real quick. Uh, Cause unfortunately our undefeated streak of bets came to an end this week. However, yeah. I did say that if it happened with the jets win, I wouldn't be too upset about it. And I definitely am not. So we'll roll with that. So we are no longer four and zero in bets. We did not go six and zero. We went four and two. Neither of us had any bets completed. So I thought, Rather than try and keep the streak alive and find a bet that I felt really, really good about that I'm sitting here and saying, this is going to happen. I'm 100% putting down. I figured, why not try and find something a little crazy? Why not try and find something that I realistically think could happen, but the odds are so good on for how much money that you would get if it hits that I really think it's worth throwing 10, 20 bucks on and seeing what happens. And so I have a first half and then final uh, final score total, not point totals, but leading who leads at the end of the first and who leads at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So I have it set. And I'll be honest, this is why I'm doing it this way. If I had to pick money line, who wins this game, I'm picking the Eagles because I think mm-hmm. they're, they're just a more talented team. And I think that run game could get going, but it is in New York. And the Eagles are coming off a loss. And yes, they are desperate, but sometimes that can be demoralizing, especially when you lose to a division opponent. You can be down a little bit. The Jets are wearing their stealth black uniforms, which they're 3-0 and in during the day. Okay. That, I, it's not going to matter at all, but it matters to me, so I'm throwing it in here. Um, so my bet here is the Eagles lead at halftime and the Jets win at the end of the game. That is plus 1,000 right now. Okay. So you throw 10 bucks on that and it hits, you make a hundred dollars. Why not? Why not? All the other bets that I felt confident about, I was thinking the point spread for this game is about minus six and a half, seven, depending on where it was. I wasn't too confident about that because I could see the Eagles winning by three. I could see the Eagles winning by 10. I could see the Eagles winning by 30. I could see the jets winning by 10. It's Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of outcomes. There was no bet that I felt really confident in where I liked the odds. All the other bets that I saw where I really, I I felt really good about, I didn't like the odds. They were all negative odds. And I don't want to make a bet on negative odds. I want to try and make some money. I want to try and be on positive end. So I'm looking at it this week. This is my bet of the week to throw down on and hope for the best. This is not my bet of the week of this is going to be hit and guaranteed. Put this bet down, hammer it. This is my, you got money. You got 10 bucks lying around. You got 20 bucks lying around, throw it down, see what happens. Maybe you get some extra Christmas money. I mm-hmm. think there's a, a solid possibility, honestly, better than plus a thousand odds that this will happen. I can mm-hmm. definitely see the jets play better in the second half. They have mm-hmm. been a second half team all year. The Eagles have, as we're seeing, don't quite know how to put teams away yet. And there, you never know what could happen when the game is at home. So mm. I thought this would have been plus 600 plus 750, but plus a thousand I'll take plus a thousand, throw something quick down on it and hope for the best, which I really do think there is a possibility that quite honestly, I think if the jets do win this game, I think it won't be 
uh, I think they'll win in the second half. I really don't see a scenario where the Jets win this game from start to finish. I, I don't mm. see them coming out and absolutely dominating from the beginning of the whistle and then leading at halftime and finishing the game with the win or leading at halftime and then subsequently losing the game outright in the end. I think if the Jets win, they're going to be down early and come back. Hmm. I'll tell you what, I, I, I like that bet. It makes perfect sense. The Jets get off to a slow start. We've yeah. already talked about that, um, which is going to give you your Eagles first half. Yep. And Jets are basically a better second half team. I believe they're still in the top of the NFL when you talk about scoring in the fourth quarter. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, I, I like the bet. I normally play it this way. Most of the time I would take a, I would take a team that's favorite at a high minus on the money line. And I would just take them to win the first half and win the game just to get a little better value, especially if I'm trying to do a parlay or something like that. Yeah. Um, I love your bet. It's, it's an exciting bet. Yeah. Uh, for those who are listening, my bet is not going to be that exciting. It's, <laughs> it's going to be real basic. And at the end of the day, I'm torn between two places. Uh, I think the Eagles win this game, so I'm contemplating taking – I'm thinking about taking the Eagles on the money line. Um, I will have to take the weather, check the weather. But if the Jets – let's say I'm going to play into your scenario that basically you hit this bet. Eagles win the first half, Jets win the game. I think if that situation happens, then I'm going to play the under. Yeah, I think that was my other think, one I was looking at. Yeah. I think that there's a good chance there's going to be an under in this game. I'm not sure what the weather is like, um, but when I make a, you know, if I'm making a wage or, or if I'm picking a team, especially with our, with our fan base who, who tunes in and watch the show. And those of you all who watch or listen, we definitely thank you for your support. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to keep it real vanilla. I'm just going to take the Eagles on the money line. That's not a bad bet. I could, if you're looking for a bet that again, you think is going to hit Eagles on the money line. I could see the Eagles being the better team flat yep. out. You don't got to worry about spreads. You don't got to worry about anything in particular. Other than that, I, I'm not opposed to that at all. I was actually looking before I settled on what uh, I eventually settled on. One of the bets I was looking at was pick the, the margin of victory. And it was like Eagles one, three through six or one through six or seven through 12. And, and I thought about doing one of those too. I thought about maybe doing yeah. Eagles one through six, thinking that they might get a tough win. But then the scenario with a 33 to 10 Eagles blowout popped into my head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I was thinking, Oh, I don't know about that. So I, I, I like the Eagles money line. I think you have the safe bet this week where if you're looking yes. for something to throw in a parlay that you know is that could certainly hit, I think that's a solid option. If you just want to do Eagles yeah. money line, if you're looking to potentially make some money and get a little crazy, you come over down to my end and we'll throw some money on something fun. Uh, but I think we both got two good bets this week. And I think yeah. after, after going, Oh, and two, I think one of these at least is going to hit. Well, listen, one of them has to hit. One of them has to hit. I'm um, I really like that Eagles. I really like your Eagles first half Jets uh, second half. I normally play it this way. Most yeah. of the time, if I'm doing baseball, I would do first five money line. Yeah. Um, especially with the pitching matchups and things of that nature. But that's something we can get into another day. Um, but yeah, I like that'll be, that. Uh, that'll be off season talk. Yeah, that'll be all. As a matter of fact, I believe baseball is in a lockout right now. So yeah, they are. <laughs> who knows? It might not be. I don't think anybody be making those bets. But um, hey, hey, as a another great show. I'm looking forward to this game. I'm just really looking forward to see how the Jets build off of that victory. 
And 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 another thing to your bet, hey, listen, the Eagles are coming back to the same stadium they just lost in. You know, that's something that can play in the Jets' favor also, but I'm going to play the high side that the Eagles right now are the better team. I think they're further along in their franchise. Their quarterback has more experience. I think they have more weapons. Um, So, like you said, I'm going with a safe bet, which is the Eagles on the money line. And um, that plus 1,000 does look good. I, I tell you what, if I don't hit the money line bet, but you hit this thing, hey, we loved it because that oh, yeah. means got two wins in a row. Yes, sir. That's a, that's what I was doing. I'm hedging my bets, to be completely honest, because I picked the Eagles 27-20 on my other show the other night, uh, okay. which, again, made me think to just pick them on the money line. That was one of my thoughts. So I have mm-hmm. my actual score prediction over there, and now I get to hedge my bet on this show and sit there and say, hey, if the Jets win, it's going to be a second-half comeback. If they yeah. win, they're going to be down early, but not by a lot. This could be 13-10 at halftime, and the Jets win 21-14, you know, 21-17. It doesn't have to be a big margin of victory. This could be a last-second field goal that the yeah. Jets pull off, and, and yeah. this bet hits. I, I quite honestly, like I said, plus 1,000 was too good for me. Yeah, yeah. That was that was just too good. All the other bets that I was looking at where it was like Eagles minus 27, and it was plus 600. This is yeah. plus 1,000? This yeah. okay, yeah, cool. I'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, this brings us to the end of another great show. Um, as always, you can find me on Instagram, Lamont Jordan underscore 34, or you can find me on Twitter at Coach Jordan 34. And uh, once again, thank you all for your support. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys again so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Also make sure you guys follow Jet Sex Factor, my work there, as well as the Oklahoma Drill Podcast, my other show. Lamont, this has probably been my favorite show we've done so far. I'm really excited to see how this game plays out. We'll be back next week to get into review and also get into a look ahead of a matchup with New Orleans. I think that could be a winnable game as well. The uh, Saints are very injured and their quarterback play is not great. So hopefully if all goes well, we'll be reviewing three straight wins on the believe in jets podcast but until then i'm andrew golden that is my co-host lamont jordan thank you guys so much for listening and we will be back next week bye-bye peace Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.